particular scene right in Santa Cruz, but not. So you remember when this disaster struck? It was just five years ago. Uh, horrific consequences from it. But what's not shown in this report was the international response. It was very swift and very effective. Uh, perhaps uh, following the, the, the great Boxing Day tsunami, uh, countries were were uh, more ready to mobilize quickly. And so many countries, including Australia, sent rescue teams. And despite the fact that there were thousands of people who were killed, there were many thousands who were saved because of the swift action uh, from various countries. And the country of Japan formally said thank you, arigato, to all the countries such as our own who responded in their hour of desperate need. And it was right to be thankful. It's right to be thankful to be saved. But what were these people saved to? Longevity? Maybe for some of them, it bought another five years, ten years, maybe 50, 60 years of their life. But it didn't bring them eternity. Quality? The people who survived that earthquake and tsunami have the same experiences as any people. There are disappointments. There are sorrows. There are diseases and pain. We as humans might mobilize to help others, and that's a good thing, and it should be done. But it doesn't solve the ultimate and underlying problem, the problem of sin. We might save for a moment, but only God saves for eternity. And when God saves, he saves to the uttermost. And Jesus gives to us, as he promised, the abundant life. So that we can live not with dread, not with doubts, but with great expectations. Expectations that we will see Jesus. And when we stand before him, the great judge of the earth, we will stand accepted because of what he accomplished on our behalf at the cross. He made atonement for our sin. Great expectations. I want you to consider from a single verse in the book of Romans these great expectations that flow on from a great message and a great mission. That verse is Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Romans 10 verse 13. Some of you no doubt have it memorized. It's a, a short verse, but it is pregnant with meaning. Romans 10:13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, before we consider this text, let's ask the Lord to help us. Our Father, now we've come to your word, and we are humbling ourselves before you and inviting you to work in us. And we pray that you would help us to see the world around us through your eyes of compassion. 
We ask in Christ's name. Amen. In this single verse, we have a great message. A great message. It's great because of the availability of the message. The verse begins, Whoever or whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. Whoever, whosoever. That word, whoever, is a word of breadth. It's a word that reaches all the way around the world to every country, every language, every race. It's a word of invitation because it is extended to every man, woman, boy, and girl. It is a word of equality for it is given to both rich and poor, to educated and uneducated, to old and to young. There are many great whoever's or whosoever's in the Bible. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that, what's the word? Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Jesus' conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, he says, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to, each, to everlasting life. In John chapter 11, that story about Lazarus when he died, and Jesus comes and he sees Martha and Mary, and Jesus said this, And whoever believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Whoever. The next chapter, John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Whoever. That word, whoever, whosoever, is the great leveler. The love of Christ is as warm to the vagrant in the street as it is to the businessman in the office. The forgiveness of Christ is as applicable to the pedophile as it is to the grandmother. And the mercy of Christ is as generous to the cannibal as it is to you and me. It is a great leveler. If you find it hard to have a heartbeat for mission, it can only be because you have not grasped whoever. That co-worker who annoys you, whoever. That neighbor that plays loud music or throws things over the fence, whoever. That relative who has mistreated you, whoever. Across the road from where we live is a set of housing commission flats. And there's a man who is uh, very much an annoyance. 
he, he, uh, he has a chair, sits it right out by the road, and he just stares at our house all day long while he, he plays music on a stereo that's got far too much wattage. <laughs> and it's not particularly my taste. I mean, it, it almost feels like an earthquake in our house. When, when the bass gets going, it, it shakes the earth. And I'll be honest, I, I did not have pleasant thoughts about this man. <laughs> I, in a perpetual state of intoxication, he's always out there drinking. Um, but then the Lord brought conviction to me. Whoever. Christ died to pay for his sins, too. And so I asked the Lord to give an opportunity to talk to this man about the Lord, about salvation. Well, the Lord gave one opportunity. Uh, I was coming out of my house, and he yelled across the road to me. He said, hey, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, yep, I'm a preacher. He said, I need help. I already knew that. <laughs> so it was a moment of vulnerability. So I went over to talk to him. Now, unfortunately, he, he wasn't exactly sober. Um, but we were able to, to talk about the Lord. And, and um, he's a whoever. Jonah was a man who despised the whoever. He was told to go to that hideous city of Nineveh. And Jonah, as you know the story, went the opposite direction. Jonah's will was at odds with God's purpose. God's purpose was for him to go to Nineveh and to preach. And Jonah would not. I wonder, is there anyone that you are excluding from the grace that God would be extending? Is there a whosoever in your experience that you are avoiding, that you are, are, are feeling no compassion towards. In fact, you want to stifle that compassion. Maybe there's someone you are refusing to forgive and that you would like to see vengeance taken on. You, you would love to be there to see them stand before the Lord and, and get their just due. Remember the great whosoevers of the Bible. Sue and I were at a church in the American state of Iowa back in January, and I preached a message about God loving both us and them. And I specifically spoke about the peril, the error of thinking of Muslims as being beyond the reach of God's grace. And I made a very strong point about whenever you hear about terrorist acts happening, that should prompt us to pray for Muslim people to be saved. Don't, don't be hateful towards Muslims, but show the love and compassion of Christ and pray for them to be converted before it's too late. Pray for them to be saved. Well, after the service, a deacon in the church came up to me and he said, Oh, I am so thankful that you, you had the courage to tell the truth about those Muslims. We ought to kill them all. <laughs> so I must not have communicated very well that day. 
But uh, we, we, fueled by by media and those sorts of things, even within Bible believing churches, there are some attitudes like that towards Muslims. Is this the attitude of God towards those who are lost? Are they not? Whosoever? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now we need to understand that there is also a dark side to whosoever. James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. 1 John 3, 4 says, Whosoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And Revelation 20, verse 15 says, And whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Whosoever. There are two sides to whosoever. Which side of whosoever are you on? Are you on the side of whosoever that is about judgment? Or are you on the side of whosoever that is about belief and light and eternal forgiveness and life? Which side of whosoever are you on? Which side of whosoever are your loved ones on? Your neighbors, your co-workers, your fellow students. Which side of whosoever are they on? We all must have an expectation for the future. For the future will inevitably come to us. We will stand before the Holy God and we will give an an account. We can have great expectations because we're on the right side of whosoever. And we have called on the name of the Lord. And we are saved and we stand justified by Him. Or we might be like most people. And stand before him unprepared, the wrong side of whosoever, with the horrible expectation of eternal separation from God. Whosoever. So what people, according to this context, are included in whosoever? Go up to verses 1 to 4 in chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Whosoever includes Jewish people, does it not? A race of people chosen by God to be the one through whom the Messiah would come. Yet the Jewish people in that day, and still persisting to this day, have largely failed to be saved because they sought it in themselves. They were And many still are self-righteous. How many people fail to be converted because of self-righteousness? 
The availability of salvation is there for the taking. But they are too proud in themselves to receive it. The creed of those who go on the, the, the wide path to hell, that creed is uniform. I will do it myself. Frank Sinatra, his signature song, I did it my way. That creed that creed is what sends people to hell. And if you look at all the belief systems in the world, they, they really, as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. It boils down to, I do it myself. Whether it's Roman Catholics who are keeping the sacraments, or it's Buddhists who are following the Eightfold Path, or it's atheists who are looking to science to improve society and to increase longevity, or it's Hindus who are trying to escape that cycle, it all comes down to, I do it myself. Self-righteousness. And that's what it was for Judaism, for the Judaizers. But whosoever in this context does not stop with the Jews, it continues on. Look at verses 11 and 12. Verses 11 and 12. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Whosoever also includes Gentiles. I'm so thankful for that because I am one. How about you? (laughs) I'm so thankful that the whosoever extends to all of us. We were pagans. We indulged in sinful impulses in a mistaken notion that God is who we make him out to be. Now you can see this quite plainly in, in some countries of the world where people are still making their gods out of wood or out of stone or out of metal, and they're bowing down before those gods. Uh, we have more sanitized gods in our materialistic world, but it's all the same that we have these things that we elevate But God, in his mercy, has saved some of us that we would be followers of Jesus and be delivered out of that darkness. Whosoever. It's a great message because the availability of the gospel is to everyone. The verse Verse 13 goes on to say, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. That calls speaks to the availability, the availability of the gospel. How much talent does it take to call? Do you have to have a specific qualification in order to call? No, even a child can call. They do it all the time, don't they? Mommy! Right? Anyone can call. This word call, though, has a specific object. It's whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. 
It's a specific object. In the Greek, that word call means to name the name of. And that's a, a, an important consideration. It means to claim the surname of Jesus as our own, to be a Christ one or a Christian. Claiming the name of or naming the name of is transformative. It changes our identity and it changes our relationship. I can give you an example. How many of you are married? Okay. And so uh, with your wedding, what typically happens is one of you changes your surname, don't you? Uh, Sue, my wife, her, her name was Yallop, Sue Yallop. But on our wedding day, the minister proclaimed, I now present Mr. and Mrs. Steve Mayo. She changed her name to Mayo, and she had to go and, and change what her driver's license said, and she had to change her bank accounts. It, 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 there was a transformation that took place, and that initiated a wonderful relationship that we have uh, with one another. Similarly with Christ. It's not enough for someone to say, oh, uh, you're giving out eternal life for free? Sure, I'll take one. And then go on living your life. No, that's not calling on the name of the Lord. That's not naming the name of the Lord. There's a transformation that takes place. His name becomes our name. We enter into a relationship with Him. It's not a relationship between equals. He is the leader. Our role is submission to him. That's what it means to name the name of the Lord, to have that change take place. I fear there are many people who have a false sense of security, a false expectation for the future, on the basis of they they said, oh yeah, I went to church, or yeah, I prayed a prayer. I was a youth pastor for 14 years, and I would meet with all of the young men individually, and I'd talk to them about their relationship with the Lord. And and one of the the young men said this to me. He said, yeah, I prayed to prayer. I don't really remember when. I think I was four years old, but my mom told me I did it. And that's the basis of your salvation? Mind you, his life showed no evidence of the Holy Spirit dwelling within him. But he was trusting in a prayer that he didn't even remember praying. That's not naming the name of the Lord. This definition of call carries with it serious implications. Because there must be this specific object to our calling. Salvation is not a matter of sincerity as much as it is a matter of singularity. In other words, there is no compensation before the holy God if we sincerely believe the wrong thing. The scripture says there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And a singular name is Jesus Christ.
And Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. It is a matter of singularity. Our calling, our belief, must have the right object. Only Christ. There are 1.6 billion Muslims in the world who are naming the wrong name. Now they, many are incredibly sincere, but it's the wrong name, so they are on the way to hell. There are nearly 1 billion Hindus in the world who are naming the wrong name, and so they are on the way to hell. There are a half billion Buddhists in the world who are naming the wrong name, and so they are on the way to hell. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yet calling is so simple. The availability is there for everyone. To appreciate it more fully, look at verses 5 through 8. Verses 5 through 8 in chapter 10. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall, shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Here we have salvation defined. Salvation has to do with righteousness. But this righteousness isn't something that we achieve for ourselves. It isn't something that that we contribute any labor to. We, We don't bring Christ down. We don't bring Christ up. Christ accomplished everything himself. And so righteousness is imputed. It is given to us. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We also see in these verses that we've read that salvation is personified. This righteousness of faith is a synonym for Christ. It's Christ who brings this. To us. And how is it available? It's available because it is near you. Verse 8 the word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. But what is this word? And how can we be converted? We've already seen. It's as easy as calling on the name of the Lord, but what does that involve? Well, it involves naming the name of the Lord. But what does that involve? That is answered by verses 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confess and believe. Confession is a deliberate and public declaration. It is, if you will, making a statement of allegiance. The content of that confession is clearly defined. We confess that Jesus 
is Lord. And the depth of that confession must exceed that of the demons, who, as you read the gospel records, the demons repeatedly confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Do they not? And so the depth of our confession can't just be a glib statement. It has to be something that is backed up by our life. A statement that's not just words, but also is shown in our deeds. If we are, are truly meaning it when we say that Jesus is Lord, our life will be different, will it not? Because we won't be running our life. Jesus will run our life. Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit, will be in control of our thoughts and our words and our actions. He will be the one that we are seeking to please. Now, we grow in this sanctification. We're not perfect yet. But those who have been born again and truly converted, those who truly name Jesus as Lord, are through his enablement on that path to obeying him, not merely speaking of him. So as you look at your life, have you called on the name of the Lord? Are you naming him? Has your identity changed? Has your relationship changed? And is this being evidenced in your life that Jesus is Lord? When I was a boy, I heard a gospel song that haunted my memory. If you are on the fence about Jesus as Savior and Lord today, this song might be something you should consider. The song went like this. I got up on Sunday morning, went to the church at 10. I listened to the words that I heard time and time again. The speaker or the preacher spoke of sinful lives. It seemed he spoke of mine. But I was young. I had plenty of time. I went on down life's pathway living as I wished to live. How to beat the other fellow, how to get what life could give. Making money isn't sinful. Having fun is not a crime. So I'll just wait. I've got plenty of time. Plenty of time to decide where I'm bound. To eternal darkness or to a heavenly crown. I'm just a young man, not yet in my prime. So I'll just wait. I've got plenty of time. Before I knew what had happened, life seemed to pass away. And millions stood before God's throne, for it was judgment day. Now eternal darkness beckons, and the name it calls is mine. And I thought I had plenty of time. Plenty of time to decide where I'm bound. To eternal darkness or to a heavenly crown. My chance is over. Earth's days are left behind. And here am I. I've got plenty of time. Now I've got nothing. 
but plenty of time. To think of all the days Christ could have been mine. My chance is over. Earth days are left behind. And here am I. I've got plenty of time. It's a great message. It's a message that goes infinitely beyond the wonder of the rescue effort that came to Japan with the tsunami in 2011. It's a great message that is for all eternity. It's a message that is available to all, whosoever. It is a message that is accessible to all. Shall call on the name of the Lord. Anyone can do that. But have you? Have those around you? It's a great message. That leads into the great mission. The great mission. The text continues from verse 13, and it focuses our, our attention on those who have not yet called on the name of the Lord and have not yet been saved. There are great words of salvation to consider. Redemption, that our debt is fully paid. Propitiation, that the wrath of God is fully satisfied. Reconciliation, that our relationship with God is fully restored. And sanctification, that we are forever set apart as fully holy before the Lord. Wonderful things accomplished through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It's a great message for Jews, for Greeks, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. A great message, but inseparable from a great mission. If this is a cure for sin and death, everyone must be told about it. And so in verses 14 and 15, we have three steps to the mission revealed. They're revealed in a series of rhetorical questions. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. The goal is is for people to name the name of the Lord and to be saved. And these are the steps to the goal. Send. How shall they preach unless they are sent? The church must be intentional about sending. In Acts chapter 13, as we've seen already today, the church was intentional. And after fasting and praying and knowing the will of of God through the Holy Spirit, the church sent Paul and Barnabas, sent them out as missionaries. 
The church must be active today to send out missionaries. Sadly, some trends in missions today are going in the opposite direction. We were talking at the table with John and, and Megan about some trends in missions and, and one that, that uh, we've experienced that find rather disturbing is the substitution of short-term for long-term. Now, I'm all for short-term missions. But there's a danger if we substitute two-week trips for missionaries long-term living on location, preaching the gospel over time, discipling people over time, planting churches that in turn will plant churches over time. And yet some churches have come to the mistaken conclusion that they accomplish as much in two weeks as some missionaries accomplish in a lifetime. And so uh, one church that formerly supported Sue and me uh, now supports no long-term missionaries. They only support themselves to go on short trips. Missionaries uh, refer to some of these trips as missionary tourism because some of them aren't very well focused and they amount to little more uh, than than a, a brief exposure and a lot of, of holiday. Not all are that way. Some are, are very helpful and very effective. But we need to be careful and we need to be wise and we need to be obedient to the Lord that we are intentional about sending and supporting both in prayer and in in finances, missionaries. The, the mission organization that, that we serve with, Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, has, over the last few years, experienced a net loss in the number of missionaries on the field. And that's because there was a generation uh, that, that responded to missions, and that generation now is at retirement age. And more are retiring than are going. At the same time, the opportunities for sharing the gospel and the fruitfulness, especially in parts of Asia and other parts of the world, uh, it, at un- unprecedented highs, wonderful opportunities for the gospel. And yet, as in as it was in the day of our Lord, so it is today. The harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. We as churches must be intentional about sending missionaries. Step two is say, How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Romans 10:17 says faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God. We have to speak up if people are going to be saved. Now some Christians are of the notion that I don't really have to say anything. Uh, just my good example will be enough. Well, good example is important, but we must also speak. We must tell them the good news. I, I like what, what John shared last night. Uh, how helpful was that? Five minutes, one verse, and a bit of courage. That's all it takes. 
And I, I agree with John that there still is a place for cold turkey evangelism. To take that, that one moment of opportunity. There's also a place for building a relationship over time and earning that right to share the gospel. There's a, a man that I've been working with and praying that God would have mercy and would save him. His name is Manir. He's, he's a Muslim. And we started building a relationship that he and his family were neighbors to us. And uh, as we, we started to get close with the gospel, particularly with his children, uh, he responded. Uh, he took me out to McDonald's and he told me, if any of my kids convert, I'll see to it that one of your kids is killed. So that was a response. <laughs> he, he, he ended up having some difficult circumstances in his life. And, and we showed compassion and support to him. And he started to soften. And sometime later, I was over at his home and we were enjoying a cup of tea. And he said to me, you know, I've been thinking about it. We really have a lot more in common than we do that's different. He said, I actually believe in Jesus. I, I knew that, but I let him go ahead and explain it to me. He said, I, I, I believe the same as you do, that Jesus was born of a virgin. And he said, and I, I believe the same as you do, that, that, uh, that Jesus is alive. He said, I don't believe that he died on a cross. I believe he went straight to heaven, but he's alive. And he said, I believe the same as you do, that um, the world's going to end when Jesus comes again. And I said, you know, that's interesting, Manir. We do believe the same thing on that. But tell me, is it reasonable to say that Jesus is only a prophet when he alone was born of a virgin? He alone is alive today, and he's the one that the world ends when he comes again. Wouldn't you have to agree that Jesus must be more than a prophet? And he said, I'm going to have to think about that. We're getting closer. So you can pray for Manir, that God would have mercy and that he would be saved. But it's not going to happen just from a good example. He needs to hear from the scripture the truth that Jesus is both Savior and Lord. Is there someone you are telling about Jesus? Is there someone on your prayer list that you are praying that God would give you opportunity to talk to them? One verse, five minutes. Tell them your testimony. Tell them how you came to faith in the Lord. And accent that with a couple key Bible verses you're well equipped to witness. In my experience, new believers make the best witnesses. Like John was saying in his testimony, after he became a Christian, boy, he was right there wanting to tell other people about it. Didn't have to have a theological degree. Just tell the story. Step three. Step three, after sending, after saying, is saving. And that's not our part. That's God's part. God does the saving. And he is doing the saving. Uh, Sue and I travel throughout Southeast Asia uh, ministering to teams of church planters. And I have to tell you, Jesus Christ is building his church. He's building his church in Australia. 
There are churches being planted in Australia. Not too long ago, uh, this church was starting, wasn't it? Jesus is building his church. He is saving people, and he's saving some of the most unlikely people. He saved us, didn't he? And so we can have great expectations. We've got a great message. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter where they've come from. If they call on the name of the Lord, Christ has atoned for them already. They shall be saved. So let's not be shy about giving out this message. And let's embrace this great mission that God has given to us this wonderful privilege of being His ambassadors on this earth. And let's keep our eyes focused on the prize. We shall see Jesus. And it will be worth it all when we see Him. Great expectations. What was it that William Carey said? Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Right? Now, I began this message with a video from Japan. The international community mobilized in great numbers and at great expense to save some for a little while. Tragically, at the end of World War II, the church did not respond similarly to an urgent call given by General Douglas MacArthur. MacArthur pleaded for thousands of missionaries to be sent immediately to Japan. Why did he plead for that? Because Japan was not only reeling from the physical destruction of war, Japan was reeling personally and spiritually because all that she had trusted in as a country had been taken away, had been totally discredited. This is what a Japanese journalist wrote. There was a complete collapse of faith in Japan in 1945, a collapse of faith in our invincible military, in the emperor, in the religion that had become known as state Shintoism. Complete collapse. And MacArthur rightly speculated that there was a brief window of opportunity, perhaps a year, he said, for missionaries to flood in and to show Japan the truth. After that, MacArthur predicted the window would close because Japanese would find other ways to fill the void. Well, guess what? There weren't thousands of missionaries who went. And today, Japan remains one of the least evangelized countries in the world. Let's not miss the opportunity. Let's have great expectations by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And let's not worry about all these other things. Let's get this great message out as we obey the Great Commission.